Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 12 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week, Coach Todd Whittem is back with us. It's been a little while since he's been on the pod, so I'm excited to bring him back to you guys. We're going to touch base about how his summer's going, the kids that he's training, what he's seeing in those kids, and also some tips on how to maximize time off school to help your kids really grow the summer, kind of, uh, you know, jumpstart their development over the summer months. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Todd. I hope you are enjoying Wimbledon and having an opportunity to watch lots of matches and maybe even are there in person. I don't know. Um, if you are lucky, you enjoy every second. Now sit back, relax and enjoy this conversation with Coach Todd Whittem. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's been a little minute, Todd. Um, you are in the throes of crazy summertime camps and weeks and days and hours on court. And uh, I'm really excited that you took some time to come talk to us because we got a kind of an interesting little topic today, I think. Sure. Well, first of all, I don't run a summer camp, Lisa. Sorry, you should sorry. Know, you should. Ugh, every time I think of camp, I think of pizza and movies and the pool. Yeah. Right. So ugh, I run the same program all year long, but I allow in a certain amount of visitors and then we're sold yes. out. So anyways, yeah, I think we have some interesting topics. I mean, let's speak about a lot of the kids, you know, many of them that are visiting us from all over the country, even yeah. some international students, but usually an American student. And what we're seeing, you know, because my whole staff of six guys, we're grinding all day long. You've noticed that I have some sunburn. That is not good for a guy with uh, red or orange hair and some blue eyes in South Florida. That's not good. Not good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's hot out there. But before we jump into what you're seeing with the kids that are training with you this summer, I, I wanted to kind of start by talking about your advice to families who are looking to take advantage of this time where school is not in session, there aren't as many tournaments in the summer for whatever reason that is, which I find always very bizarre that there aren't as many tournaments when the kids are out of school as there are when they are in school and then they have to miss school to play these events, but whatever, we'll save that conversation for another day. Um, how can kids maximize this time off school to really improve the various skills involved in being a top level tennis player, whatever that means for a particular kid? Sure. So I was one of those many years ago, right? Yeah. There was no online, there was no online school when I was coming through junior tennis and into college. So my mother used to tell me, Todd, you're going to be able to play tennis all day long. You should make a big jump this summer, right? And yeah. and usually usually it went well, right? You know, cuz I could get out there and not skip any steps of training or physical training or have to run off to 
do homework or whatever it was, right? So um, that could be the case for the children that are, are in you know, brick and mortar school that mm-hmm. aren't homeschooled all year long. They really need to take advantage of these couple of months and train really well of all different aspects of their game and their fitness and trying to compete and find the right tournaments and, and see how the results are and see what needs, you know, some tweaking and fixing to continue to progress. Yeah. So by the time this episode airs, um, we're going to be well into Wimbledon. Um, So I want to talk about what can be learned by watching these high level professional events, but also sectional tournaments, I think will be complete by the time this airs. So presumably, you know, the kids have played their state tournament, their sectional tournament for those that qualify to go on to play national clay courts and national hard courts later in the summer. Awesome. But for the kids that, didn't make the cut from their section to move on to these national events. This is such a great opportunity to maximize a training block and just take competition completely out of the picture, maybe, and work on all the various elements that need work. What do you mean take competition out? We got to get those points. We got to get those points. We got to get to a certain number. We got to get to a certain ranking, a rating of this, of that. You got to get better. Yeah. You got to train better. You got to get more physically fit. You got to learn how to play the game. You got to learn how to construct points. You need to understand how to make a certain amount of balls in a row, hitting the ball the same way, all these things of training, and you got to know how to compete. And, right. and how to compete. So that's most important, you know, forget the tournaments. Well, right, you know, that's but, most important. But you talk about learning how to compete. You can't compete if you're not fit. You can't compete if you don't understand point construction. You can't compete if you're not mentally tough and have the routines in place To, as you're saying, hit the ball the same way over and over and over, hit targets over and over and over. And is summer the time to really work on those skills? Uh, 12 months a year is the right time to work on those skills. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But but we've got some focused blocks of time here, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, people should be very organized, you know, the coaches and the students and, and the parents be involved as well of what the child needs to work on in this training block, mm-hmm. right? You know, what, what is most important? What have been some of the, you know, some of the positives and maybe some of the negatives about what's going on in matches, what's breaking down, you know, the, what's the mentality, how's the mental toughness, how's the fitness level? I mean, so many things that, that should be, you know, analyzed, you know, and then, and then worked on, you know, mm-hmm. with, with their, with their coach. Yeah. So you said you guys are sold out this summer. Um, that means 22 kids, six coaches. That's a pretty darn good coach to play a uh, ratio there on court. You're seeing kids come in from all over the place, not just around the U.S., but you've got some international players coming to you too. What are the most glaring issues that you've noticed this year so far that kids need to be doing a better job with? Sure. So many of you know Daniel Yu, right, who trains who tra- trains and travels with Sun Wukwan full-time. So Daniel has been in my system for the last, you know, couple of years. But mm-hmm. now that Sun Wu has, you know, he has a shoulder injury, he's not going to be back competing until the U.S. Open. Oh, wow. So I have Daniel now in my system full-time doing tennis and physical fitness. And one of the other gentlemen that's with us full-time throughout the year is doing physical fitness as well, plus the tennis. So Daniel, a year ago, was sitting on center court with Sun Wu against Novak Djokovic. And he was just at a level six the other day locally with a girl from California. So he's seeing a lot of different levels. You know, we're, we're speaking, we're seeing how the kids are training, but 
you know, he's doing a lot of physical training with, with the, with the younger students and they're struggling. And I'm not talking about, you know, like, uh, the endurance part. I'm talking about the coordination, the movement, the explosiveness, you know, leg strength, being light on your feet. It, the kids haven't been taught footwork. Right. And I had, I had one of the most well-respected coaches in the world come over the other day and speak to the students who has won, you know, a bunch of NCAA titles. You, I'm sure you know who that individual is. He's one of my really good friends. Um, and he came over and, and he started watching, you know, the students, whether they're my full timers or my visitors. And it's just, it's very apparent that the kids are not doing very good fitness regularly. That is tennis specific. And if so I, are, are you yeah. talking about general athletic skill or are you talking more specific to tennis? Both. Okay. Both. Um, you know, we're, we're doing very simple things and, and the kids are struggling. So what it, what it means is that, you know, they're, they're not being taught that, you know, when you, when you look at social media, right, you always say, Hey, you can go follow Todd on Instagram and all this stuff. When you look at, at social media, Every coach is trying to sell this technique or this lesson or the this or the that, right? And it's very mm-hmm. rare that they're speaking about movement and balance. And, and that is many times first and foremost, personally, and, and I said this to the students the other day, I'd rather have a kid that knows how to compete, that fights hard, and that can move well than a kid with beautiful strokes that can't compete well. And doesn't fight well and, 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 and doesn't move well, mm-hmm. right? You're better off, you know, look at, look at, look at the players on tour that have unorthodox swings and grips, right? Look at them. Yeah. You can go generation after generation. You can go Daniel Medvedev. You can go Jack Sock, Jim Courier. I mean, you can, you can, you know, go through so many different players, but the one thing that they all do well, obviously they're mentally tough and they're smart. They move extremely well to the ball and they've worked very hard on that. And so our kids are, they're, they're very deficient in that. What do you attribute that to? I mean, I have my theories, but I'd love to hear yours. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you mine and then you can tell me yours. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I believe that kids don't do fitness regularly. I've had a lot of parents throughout the last 13 years tell me, well, my child, you know, they work with a trainer two times or three times a week. And, and that's not enough. And I've already told the students this, right. Regardless of the training, it needs to be done. If you're serious about playing, you know, high level college tennis, I would say an hour every single day, five days, six days a week Mm -hmm. has to be done. Okay. That's, that's number one. Number two, I believe it's very, very hard to find a trainer that is very knowledgeable about this game, right? They, most trainers have been trained the bigger sports, right? Baseball, football, you know, soccer is great, you know, for tennis, you know, softball, you know, these other sports, these big team sports, and they're going into gyms and all that for kids. The most important thing they can do is learn how to move. And that happens on a court, right? And and someone training them on the intricacies of, you know, the balance and being light on your feet and in and out of the baseline and crossing over and shuffling and cutting angles and, you know, all these different things. But you would have to have a background in tennis or have to, you know, be trained to understand that or maybe maybe a former player that you would understand that. And I, I'm, I'm not seeing it. So my theory is, and you can correct me if you you disagree with me, is this all started with American kids when PE started getting cut out of school curricula. And I think our children, because of the way our society is now, they don't go to the playground and run around and play tag and climb on monkey bars and you know, swing and, and do all of the things that you did as a kid. And I certainly did as a kid that trained those types of skills that you're talking about, balance, changing direction, shuffling, crossover steps. All those are things that 
you and I learned by playing tag on the playground or by, you know, playing kick the can on the street other or spo- whatever other, it was. Other, other, other sports. Or playing right? other sports because, you know, yeah. gosh, you know, if my kid isn't playing tennis every day, they're going to fall behind their peers. Well, guess what? They're falling behind their peers because they don't have the athletic skills to keep up. It's not hitting more tennis balls. It's getting the body trained to move through space properly, to balance, to engage the core. And all of this stuff is innate in young children until we stop them from having opportunities to develop those skills. And I I really think, you know, I've mentioned this before, but I used to head up the Governor's Commission on Physical Fitness and Sports in Georgia. And this was a big pet project of mine is getting PE back in the schools. The kids need time to run around. They need recess. They need free play. They need time to get to understand how a body is supposed to move in space and how it's supposed to move around obstacles and things like that. And and the tennis court is that, right? It is that environment where you have to move diagonally. You have to shuffle backwards. You have to do crossover steps to, to change direction. I mean, it's it's all stuff that you and I learned by being on the playground. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And, you know, I don't know what many coaches are doing outside of my arena, but I do watch social media and there's a lot of feeding right to the kid. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and you've I, been and talking a lot about that lately. Like it's really yeah. easy to toss a ball right to the kid and have the kid look good hitting the ball. It's well, a whole different game when you're, you know, causing them to get uncomfortable out there. Well, I mean, parents want to know why their children aren't winning more matches, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, that's, you know, a lot of parents, you know, they might not might not know a lot about tennis, but they do know if their child is winning or losing, sure. <laughs> right? So why aren't they winning more matches? Well, I'm giving you some reasons why, right? And so mm-hmm. that's not that's not realistic tennis. It's just not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's someone feeding a ball to the child, right? And they're swinging at the ball. And many times, you know, whatever is being worked on, you know, could be good. It might not be so good, right? That's golf, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. You don't have to move and you swing. That's baseball. Yeah. Right. Tennis is a tremendously tough movement sport. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and if you're limited in movement by a certain level, I'd say by the time maybe the child is 13 to 15 years old, they're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, and that's what we're seeing. Right. Okay. So, so, so first thing that is happening, that's kind of glaring out, jumping out to you this summer is you're getting kids that are not moving properly and don't have the basic movement skills required to have success on a tennis court. Is that, am I summing that up properly? Yes. Okay. All right. Next. What else are you seeing? (laughs) Sure. So, you know, the normal tennis is lessons in groups, right? That's normal tennis. Okay. So lessons, you know, maybe some techniques and stuff like that. But ultimately, we're not seeing kids that understand the meaning of training. They might be playing in clinics. They might be taking lessons. The parents have spent a lot of money on these things. They're doing them, you know, quite often or daily, whether it's lessons or groups. But the kids don't have the background of repetitions to duplicate the techniques. You know, hopefully they're good techniques, right? Over and over and over again, the children are having trouble hitting the ball the same way every single time to be that consistent. And that is just the background of their training. Okay. So when we speak about the intensity and the movement and the mentality and how long they can concentrate for, and, you know, have a, you know, the background and, you know, a basis of shots that they can use, the children are struggling in this as well. Mm. Okay. You know, if you go to any sport, right? Basketball, free throw shooter, 
right? It looks the same. When you watch the children, they are struggling to hit the ball the same way every single time. And that's, that's not good. Right. So is that a technique issue or a movement issue or a fitness issue or a combination? Everything. A training issue. When you're trained, you're, you're, when, when you're trained well, first of all, you have the mentality that you can concentrate for longer periods of time than someone that is not trained well, right? They can stay in and duplicate things over and over and over again without having a lapse of concentration. Okay. The kids that we're seeing, it's very short. They can maybe do two or three balls and then the next one is blown away. Hmm. Right. You know, missed, you know, by, by, you know, many, many feet. Right. So to us, that's the background. And then they're also having trouble with the intensity level, but it all starts here in your mind the intensity level and maintaining that of movement and concentration and all these things, you know, kind of go hand in hand to become a great player, but they're struggling. And I haven't even gotten to competing in point construction. Right. So, you know, we're going through the movement and, and just, you know, stroke development. Right. And they're struggling and, and the parents have paid, you know, for groups and lessons, but we're not seeing this. So what should they be doing differently in order to develop that type of consistent hitting and stroke production? It's just the discipline of training. It's as simple. It's as simple as that. It's what's being structured. But give me an example um, of how you and your coaches train these kids versus what they're maybe getting at their home training facility or coach. Sure. So, I mean, you know, people can see it on social media, but, you know, I can explain it is that we're, we're, we're giving drills that are, that are, that are pretty simple, but it's working on many different things and we're testing it to hit specific targets, specific footwork, specific mentality, how long someone can concentrate for, you know, how many balls out of 15 can they put in specific areas in the court? Some of the kids are coming in and, the, and they're saying, well, you know, uh, I was just told to hit 50 balls in a row. Well, you know what? If you're hitting the service line 50 times in a row, we consider that hitting it in the kitchen and that's called pickleball, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> yeah. not, you know, it's, it's kind of a joke that Pierre and I were like, oh, they're playing pickleball. They're actually not playing tennis right now. And pickleball is so big. So, you know, it's okay. Right. But Right. So they're, you know, they're, they're just hitting balls. It's not the productivity is, is, there's no is purpose. Not there. It sounds like Cor- correct. I mean, they're just hitting balls. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, I always go back to how productive is the daily training? If you're serious, I'm only talking about serious tennis, the kids that want to go to college or maybe a professional career. Right. Right. So, you know, so that, for example, when you're doing this, these drills with these kids and, and you've set up a target for them, what are you as the coach saying to the kid to get them to do what you want them to do? I mean, because it, it sounds to me like there's maybe a lack of communication from their home coach to them. Maybe there's a lack of knowledge, but I'm going to, I'm going to be generous and assume the coach knows what he or she's doing, but maybe isn't communicating clearly to the player what the expectation is during a specific drill. I just believe it needs to be more specific, the training, right? You need to be able to move properly. You need to be able to strike the ball cleanly the same way you need to be able to concentrate for longer periods of time. And we were monitoring this, whether it's a full-timer or a visitor, every drill. So for example, if there's 10 balls and the first day you can make maybe four balls out of 10 into the, the given area where the targets are, hopefully the next day you're at five and then six and eight and 10 or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And, but what and are that's you, how we're monitoring. But what are you yep. saying to me as the player to help me achieve that goal? Well, I mean, many times we're working on a footwork. Many times we're, you know, kids prepare the racket late. Many times kids are hitting too many open stance 
balls, especially forehands. They're stepping in They're you know, you know, which would be good if they were stepping in many times they're off balance, falling backwards on the back foot. Um, you know, they're, they're the, many times the elbow is too close to their body. Right. I mean, just very common stuff that we're seeing over and over again. And so then we're fixing that as we're going through these drills and then it's up to the, the player. And I tell them, write it down, take notes, read it every single day and develop these habits every single day. So what I'm hearing from you, and I'm just, you know, again, correct me if I'm, I'm summarizing this wrong, but so you're as the coach, as I'm hitting the ball, you're noticing how quickly did I get there? What footwork strategies did I use? Where was my take back? Was I positioned properly? What, you know, was, was I hitting an open stance forehand at the appropriate moment or should I have been close stance? Um, how's my follow through? How's my take back? How, you know, where's my point of contact? You as the coach are noticing all of those things in the moment because you're skilled at that. And then you're giving that feedback back to me as the player. And so the next time you feed me balls, I'm going to take into consideration all of these corrections that you've, you know, shared with me. And hopefully I'm going to now, instead of hitting four balls at the target, I'm going to be able to make five balls in the target. Am I saying that yeah. right? You'd be a hell of a student, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a really good student. I have to say, um, <laughs> I, I've been doing some drills locally and, here at SoCal. And, yeah. And, and, and also understand that this is for every single shot. Right. Okay. You can't every take a ball off. No, it, every shot and forehand line, forehand cross, inside out, forehand, inside in, backhand line, backhand cross, side to side, all these different directions, you know, volleys, short volleys, deep volleys overheads serves to all targets. Every single shot needs to be owned as we call it. Mm -hmm. And that just takes a tremendous amount of training. Well, training, but also analysis on the part of the coach to understand why the player isn't able to accomplish whatever the specific task is at hand, right? So, I mean, this to me, when I talk to you, this is why I keep having you on because I feel like you are, and the coaches that work with you are so tuned in to all of these little nuances that separate a decent player from an excellent player. And they are nuances. I mean, especially as you get up, if you go to a level one tournament, a junior tournament, everybody hits the ball well, right? Everybody, hopefully everybody is pretty fit at a level one tournament if they've qualified to be there. But there are these nuances that separate the person that's there at the end of the tournament versus the person that lost early on. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the differences are, I mean, usually they're, they're trained better. They're smarter. They're more disciplined. They can concentrate better. They can execute the game plan much better. It's just the package that's been trained. Right. And, and all yeah. those are things that are taught by the coach. And so if the coach isn't paying attention to those details and isn't making corrections in real time, because you can't tell somebody three hours later, oh, remember that ball you hit and you weren't, you know, positioned properly? No, you know, you can't do it then. You have to do it in the moment. And if the coach isn't paying attention and correcting in the moment so that the player can then make the change, groove the change, and hopefully file it away for, you know, and move on to the next thing, then it is a waste of time. I agree. I mean, we, we also speak about the retention that a child has with the information that we're giving them, right? So what's going through my mind right now, you know, we had a drill going today where we had two, two younger players, about 14 years old, um, going through a drill with, with a gentleman who has played on the tour, actually did some training with Rafael Nadal, played very high-level Division One tennis, and jumped into one of our workouts today. And I mean, I was on them. Why? Because the standard needed to be so high to give this gentleman 
such a good volley drill and the kids were messing up and I was on them. I was riding them hard, right. For them to hit a specific target every time, hit the ball the same way, the same intensity, the same footwork. And they got it done. It was very challenging, but I was on them, you know, pretty sternly and they, and they were able to accomplish it. But there comes a certain point where that player has to have that feeling of what I just went through with them, with the intensity and the, and that level of concentration that they have to then bring it on their own all the time. Right. Which is why taking the notes is so crucial. Yeah. I mean, then the, the, the children are accountable that they were just taught and played at an extremely high level in a drill with a very, very high level player. And they need to then play at that standard for the rest of their life. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. that's what it comes down to. Right? right. They, you know, I call it getting promoted in my TW company when I bring two 14 year olds that are, you know, nice players. Right. And I put them on a court with a guy who's getting ready for professional events. Right. Okay. That's not, that, there's no nonsense there. Right. So I'm riding them. I'm putting the pressure. They have to hit the ball, you know, into that player's stomach. This player should not be stretching anywhere. And this guy is working on his volleys and I was on them. And I don't know, I thought that was just part of the job. <laughs> so, right. you know, and I'm, and, and they're having a great experience with that and you can see they're enjoying it, but you got to produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and listen, this type of training isn't for every kid. It, nope. it isn't. And, nope. you know, it and it's not. okay if it's not for your kid, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're not saying every single junior tennis player has to train like this because not every single junior tennis player has these dreams, has these aspirations to reach you, this high level. You, you, you have to be honest with yourself. Right. Yeah. And you have to be realistic. And, and, and I tell all the parents when they, you know, when they, when I first speak to them over the phone and everything, this arena is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not, if it was, I'd say it was a tennis Academy. Right. Right. This is what, what I run is, is very elite and it's going to be rigorous and it's tough. But for me, when I was on those two boys this morning, that was fun. Cause I got more out of them then they would have gotten out of themselves, right? If they were on their own, right? So they grew for those 10, 15 minutes of training with that pro, which mm-hmm. is, I love it. That that excites me. Right. Well, and hopefully they're internalizing that. And they're when you see them tomorrow, they're going to bring that level, right? It's well, you're not going to have to pull it out of them again. Well, here's what's going to happen. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. They're going to come tomorrow. And they're going to hit with, you know, kids that are around their level, maybe a little higher, lower or at their level. And they're not going to be at the same standard. And then I'm going to give them a hard time because they're, they didn't play at the high enough standard mm-hmm. as when they were training with the pro the day before, which this is normal because they're kids. Right. And I'm going to tell them to step it up. And then they probably will. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, because now yeah. they know they can I mean, that's the thing too. I feel like they learned, right. They learned, they saw that they have that ability. You as the coach showed them that, right? Like I'm going to show you how to get there. I can't do it for you, but I can, I can guide you on your journey there. And once you've achieved this level, now it's up to you to bring it every single time you step foot on the court because you now know you have it in yourself to do this. And to me, that's what great coaching is. You know, you, I mean, hitting, feeding balls to somebody over and over and over again. I mean, I can do that, you know, um, I'm not a coach <laughs> and certainly not a great one. But to be a great coach is to be able to push and and understand how far to push a a player to dig deep in themselves, find what their potential is, show their potential to you, and then come back the next day and do it all over again. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get the most out of every child, but I also understand how to push their buttons to get it out of them. Every child is different, right? You have to understand who you're training. 
Yeah. Right. And, and, and they're all different. You hear me say you can't have the cookie cutter mold. Not every child is trained the same. Not every child has sure. the same swings and grips and blah, 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 blah. Right. So this is the same emotionally. You have to understand how to handle each individual and each child to get the most out of them. They've all come from different parenting, different backgrounds of coaching, you know, the, the whole, the whole thing, right. They're all right. different. Okay. And so, yep. All right. Well, so I want to move on to the next thing that you're seeing this summer, which you alluded to a few minutes ago, which is the ability to construct points and compete. So elaborate on that. Sure. Well, normal tennis lessons and clinics and groups, many of the kids don't really know what they're doing when they're competing and they're serving or returning and playing points. They really don't know what's going on. We have kids that have been here for a week or two weeks training with the same players, right? They're going, they're going around playing with a bunch of different players, but you know, they're, they're playing, you know, really with the same players and they don't even know across the net what the strengths and weaknesses are of the other players. And they've been around them for weeks. Mm -hmm. That's scary because these, these children are going into tennis tournaments and they're just hitting the ball. And they're hoping that the opponent is going to miss or they're going to hit winners or whatever it is, and they're going to win. And when they happen to maybe not win, they don't know what happened, what went on. They're not learning anything. Well, and a lot of times I don't even know what happened when they did win. (laughs) They can't tell you why they won, right? Correct. Correct. Right. And that's, that's scary because... Every good player I've ever been around, amateur, professional, they have game plans. They know what the strengths and weaknesses are of the player across the net, and they know how to break them down, and they're going to use their strategy to do it. Mm -hmm. And the vast, vast majority of kids have no clue what that even is. And that's, that's not good. And so as we go back to the parents, the parents are wondering, why isn't my child winning more? Right. So as we go through the movement and this training and the, all these things, and then we go into competing, the parents might be watching it at, at a tournament. And I'm telling you that the kids are really struggling to hit specific targets, follow specific game plans to break down certain types of opponents. It seems to be not being taught. Um, it's not going to be taught in a lesson. It, it could maybe be taught in practice matches. Um, but I'm telling you the vast, vast majority of kids, they they don't know what they're doing. Well, I've shared this story, you know, numerous times over the years, but, um, I'm going to share it again. Um, when my son first came to Southern California to train when he was in high school and he had a lesson with Craig Signorelli and, uh, a few minutes into the lesson, Craig said, if you hit the ball there, where am I going to hit the ball? And my son was like, I don't know. And he said, okay, well, then why did you hit the ball there? He says, well, because you weren't standing there. So like that was the open court. That's where I went. And Craig was like, okay, (laughs) hang on a second. How are you planning to win this point? And my son said, you know, be the last one to miss, like make you miss first. (laughs) And Craig was like, okay. We, we got some work to do and, uh, you know, they put down the racket and the ball and started having a conversation about, you know, yeah. when you watch Roger Federer play or when you watch Rafael Nadal play or, you know, and my son, I think my son was 16 at this point. He had never learned tactics. He had never learned cause and effect on a tennis court. And I mean, he was working with some good coaches who would produce some pretty high level players, but it wasn't something that he had ever been taught. And I don't know if the coaches just assumed that he knew what he was doing out there and didn't feel the need to teach it or didn't know how to teach it, or it just wasn't part of their coaching repertoire. I don't know what the answer is, but it was shocking to me to sit there and watch the light bulbs go on for my son as Craig started talking to him about when you hit the ball here, the most likely return for me is to go here. And if you serve to me in this spot, I'm likely going to hit it back to you over here. And it was just, you know, mind blown at the end of the lesson. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Craig, Craig is a very well-respected coach. I mean, he was, he was coaching some amazing players, you know, when I was coming through amateur and and pro tennis, I know Craig very well. So, I mean, he's tremendous. I mean, I can tell you from my personal experiences, you know, that the way that I was trained, I mean, if, if, if I went to go practice with someone, you know, and, and they're across the net, when I feed the first ball, I'm already analyzing their forehand, their backhand, what looks a little weird. Do I need to go high there? Can I beat them with pace? Do I need to junk them? I mean, all these things are going through my mind that I'm not just going through a drill, hmm. right? I'm looking to see what the hole is, because if I'm going to compete against this person, I need to know how to beat them, right? And, and kids are not, I mean, they, they're just hitting the ball. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they don't really know what's going on. They're not trying to serve the specific targets. They're not returning to specific targets. Um, I had the discussion with the students last week. If you do not know the person across the net, right, and you're in a tournament, by the time you go through the warm-up and maybe the first two games, one service game each, you should know how that person is going to play and how you're going to play them and how you're going to break them down. And if you do happen to know the player, right, you've seen them play or you've played against them previously, you should know how to play that player or the coach, you know, gives you the strategy on how to take down that player. Right. And it just seems that the kids, they're just hitting and running and praying. (laughs) I mean, you know, and, you know, and the students are looking at me like I'm speaking a different language. Right? Because you and, are, you are speaking a different language to what they're used to. And, and again, you know, I saw it firsthand with my kid. It was, it was a whole different approach to training, to competition, to mindset. I mean, it, it just was 180 degrees from everything he had been doing previously. So it is a different language, but the sooner the kids get exposed to that language, you know, the better their chances are of reaching their peak, whatever that is. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I remember as a little kid, I mean, we were little shrimps out there and we were throwing in a kick serve to the backhand and we were going like two heavy balls to the backhand and one to the forehand. And we had to follow this game plan point after point after point, like little machines. And, or we went one and one, you know, one to the forehand, one to the backhand, one to the forehand, right? Maybe because the mobility of the other player wasn't so great and we were already being taught you know these strategies and then this is when you throw a serve and volley you know you can attack this second serve and you can come to the net you can do this you can do that and it was already being taught at eight or ten years old Mm -hmm. right so the kids that are coming to you most of them have not been exposed to this way of training um where they have a tactic they have a game plan they have point construction. And so now you're teaching this to them. How are they handling it? It's challenging. It's, it's understand that, Oh, I, I need to know how to do this. And when they do execute it, it's like, Whoa, like you said, for your son, the light bulb went off. Oh my God, you know, yeah. this works this I need, I've been playing this kid's backhand the whole time. And if I just, play the forehand or hit an angle or hit heavy by the second ball, the points over and they're like, Whoa, <laughs> right. You know, right. or, you know, what, whatever the, the tactic is, right. And the strategy. So, you know, and they, it's like, you know, something like just, you know, something new, they've like, Whoa, it's a different language. Like I said, so yeah. it's fun. It's fun for me to teach that, but should they, have, should they ever, should they know this and everything? Yeah. Well, sure. They should. Right. But you know, not everybody has access to that quality of coaching and, and I get it, but I guess, you know, from my perspective, what, what I'm hoping that our listeners will take away from this is as the parent who is paying this coach to work with your child, it is within your rights. And in fact, it, in my opinion, it's your responsibility to ask the coach, you know, are, are you teaching my child point construction? Are you working on tennis specific fitness with my child? Are you, you know, working on target practice basically with my kid? 
and understand the level of coaching your child's receiving and that you're paying for so that you can make a determination if if your kid's getting what they need to reach the level that they want to reach. Very good way of putting it. Right? I mean, I Yeah. I mean, how how as a coach would you respond if a parent came to you with those questions? Would you be offended or would you you know, open up a dialogue about how you coach and and how you develop players? It, it doesn't bother me. I'm going to go over every single thing that that child needs for them to achieve their goals. And this is the type of game that they need to play. And this is how you train it every single day. And then in tournaments, we monitor it, whether I'm there or my coaches are there. Are the kids executing these plays and mm-hmm. applying their training, you know, under the most amount of pressure and stress, which is a tournament match. Right. And we see how they, and we see how they handle that and we assess it. And then we go right back to training. And we keep working at it. I mean, the cool thing to me too is if a coach is working in that manner, as the parent who is typically the one at the tournament matches, because let's face it, most junior coaches are not at every single tournament match, and maybe they're not even at a match every three months, you know. Um, But if I, as the parent, understand these are the things you're working on with my kid. Then when I'm sitting at that tournament watching my kid play, I have things to look for because I know what you've been working on with him or her. And I can come back to you and say, you know, um, you told me that, you know, you wanted my kid to to play with this specific tactic. I noticed in, you know, 40% of the points, they utilize the tactic and the other 60, they kind of veered away from it. Um, you know, maybe they need a reminder before the next match about what the expectation is. And, and then that opens the door for you as the coach to send a quick text and, you know, Hey, make sure you're doing this in your next match. I want to, you know, hear from you how that went. Um, and so I just, I feel like all of this facilitates the communication between the parent, the coach and the kid and makes for a much more, I don't know, uh, lucrative. And, and I don't mean that in money terms, but I mean, in terms of progression and development, lucrative relationship. Well, and, and, and also understand, I mean, as I'm, as I'm listening to you and everything is that you got, you got to be patient as well. It takes time, right? All players come into their own becoming solid in, in these, in, in the foundation and the fundamentals and the point construction and all these things that are hopefully being worked on every day right? You have to be, you have to be patient with it too, you know, and you have to trust that person who's going through this process with your child each and every day, right? Yeah. You know, you have to trust that individual. If you don't, then it's difficult, right? Sure. Then, then, then it becomes very difficult. But if you trust that individual and you trust the process that that coach is going through every single day, you know, and, and, and that, and that person is very knowledgeable and everything and your child loves tennis and wants to be as good as they can. Things should work out very well. They should. Yeah. Trust is, yeah, definitely at the base of all of this. And, and we've talked about that before. Um, You know, you've got to be able to trust this person with your child because that's who's teaching them this game. That's who's guiding them along this journey. And, you know, you, you have to feel good about that as, as the parent for sure. Yeah. And, and you know what, I mean, you know, a lot of things are quick in life. Now we press buttons, we get stuff done and, and, you know, everybody wants results. I mean, the coaches want the results, the kids, the parents and everything, but it does take time. I mean, until you're solid in, in all of these categories that we spoke about, it's going to, it could, it's going to be an up and down process. Yeah. It, it just is right. And hopefully you know, the progressions continue to go, you know, better and better and better, but it is an up and down process until that player becomes so solid in these things that we discussed. Right. One last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up is, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, this is going to air during Wimbledon, I think. Um, So when these big tournaments are being televised or, you know, even better when a kid has an opportunity to go live and watch these tournaments in person, what are some of the things that you as a coach would like them to look at and learn? Very simple. 
Pierre, Pierre had a group of kids the other day when we had a little rain delay and they were watching Alcaraz. Movement, point construction. That's it. You don't need to look at how great they hit the ball, how beautiful the strokes are. Movement, point construction. They're all very good at it. That's why they're the best in the world. Yeah. So movement, you know, hopefully the camera angle, if you're watching on TV, is going to show the feet. So training your eye to stay focused on the player's feet is a really good way to kind of learn how they do things. You know, are they using crossover steps? Are they shuffling? Are they sliding? Are they backpedaling? Are they turning around and running? Are they doing, you know, pirouettes on the court to hit specific shots after recovery? Um, How do they change direction? All of those things. If you stay focused on the feet, you pick up that, those little subtleties, right? Yeah, but you're 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 leaving out a couple things that we work on as well. Come on, okay. Lisa. I, I come on. This is why you're the coach and I'm just the podcast lady. <laughs> All right. When someone serves, how well they recover after their serve? What's the first ball? Where they're putting the first ball? Very important. The next thing is return. The movement on the return, where the players are standing to return serve. A lot of kids get this wrong. Right. They haven't been taught or trained it. You know, they're they're standing too close to the baseline. They don't have enough time. They're not quick enough. They're, you know, what whatever it is. So they're mishitting returns. Then the movement after the serve, you know, where they're hitting the first ball after the serve. Right. These are things. And then when you see players, how well they're moving in and out of the baseline, how light they're being on their toes. And like you said, the crossing over, the shuffling, right? You know, all these things, how well they're closing the net. When are they split stepping, you know, all these different things. Those are very important and things that, you know, that, you know, the students should be, should be really paying attention to. It's, it's one of the, you know, one of the most important things. Sure. And then in terms of watching point construction, are there any like guidelines for what they should be looking at as they're watching these professional players? Sure. So they should be watching you know, many, many, uh, you know, basically, you know, the tendencies of the players, I can tell you when I was on tour, you know, I I knew what was weaker, the forehand or the backhand, you know, you know, how to, how to break it down. One of the most important things that I wanted to know was where my opponent was going to serve on big points. Okay. Because, you know, especially, you know, in, in men's tennis and women's tennis, you know, the best players have amazing serves. So you only have so many chances with break points or 30 all points and, you know, the big points to break serve. So I always wanted to know the tendencies. What were the best serves of my opponent and where were they going to go on the biggest points of the match? Okay. That was, that was very important to me. Um, you know, you, you need to watch, you know, the point construction, you know, what sides are they really trying to break down? Right. And, and I've sat down with students of mine, you know, especially ones that may have stayed with me or, or whatever. And, um, and I'll tell them, watch what's going to happen right now. This is a big point. This player is going to break down this side, or they're going to go high heavy to this side, or they're going to throw an angle, right. Or they're going to throw some junk or, you know, or Alcaraz with the drop shots on the most important points or his kick serve wide. I mean, these are the things, you know, the players are always going to go back to their comfort zone in the most important moments of the match. And the other thing that you need to look for is that the smartest players, they're always going to the weaknesses at the most important moments. Hmm. Always. So if I was playing in a match, right. I would always go to the weakness because I know that's going to break down in the crucial moments of the match. And I was going there. So if you can beat me with your worst shots in the most important moments, you deserve to beat me. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I mean, it's certain players really are predictable. I mean, you've listened to the commentators, even, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, it's break point. Well, she's going to serve there because she always serves there on a break point. It's her favorite serve or it's match point. You know, they're going to do this. Um, And 
but other players are not as predictable. And those are sometimes a little more fun to watch because you just don't know what's coming at you. <laughs> and, it's true. And to be able to watch and analyze, I think, you know, patterns do start to emerge if you watch enough and you start to figure out, you know, where the weaknesses and the strengths are. I think that's really cool. Um, I never used to watch pro tennis like that. Um, and I, somebody had kind of guided me there years ago and I, it totally changed the way I watch tennis on TV. And it's way more interesting when you watch for those nuances. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they're not just hitting the ball and running, right? Right. That's not how they became so successful. I mean, you know, they've done their research, you know, the players, the coaches, when Daniel Yu is on the road with Sun Wukwan and I'm watching matches and he's like, and he tells me who Sun was going to play and we're going over maybe something together that could help them. The, you know, the, the players have the analytics, you know, they, they have it, they have it all. They know, I mean, the players know, you know, they, they can go and research themselves of, Hey, when I hit the ball here, the percentage of me winning the point is this. So I have to hit the ball here or there. And then my percentages go up to how I'm going to be, you know, winning more points and more matches and they know it, you know, and, and they're investing a lot of money. I've spoken, spoken to one, you know, a couple of very well-respected guys in tennis. And we had some good discussions about, Hey, these players, they have all the knowledge and they know the analytics, right? In, In my day, it was, I was studying players and this technique looked a little weird. And this is how you break down this guy. This is where this guy serves on the big points and blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. Now they have it, you know, the percentages and this and that, and you know, that's helping the players. Sure. Sure. And as a result, it means that the kids watching can really learn those types of patterns of play. They can learn, you know, they can, start to analyze, you know, this player goes to this shot on these big points and, you know, their, their percentage of winning break points is really low, you know, maybe they should be going here. And, and it gets the kids starting to think about their own game, but also, you know, just looking at the court in a different way, which I think is really valuable for them and, and makes them better, better competitors. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Cool. Anything else we need to touch on? Cause we've been going for about an hour. I think we covered uh, some good subjects there. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, I'm glad to know that you're booked out this summer. I think it's awesome. If people are interested in bringing their kid down to train with you um, at your not an Academy, how do they reach you? And all of this will be in the show notes on parentingaces.com. Sure. So they can reach me on my email at todd at twtennis.com or they can find me on instagram you know at you just type in todd widom right w-i-d-o-m and you know it's todd widom underscore tennis and you know i think you know i post stuff almost daily on instagram monday through friday and it's you know i try to keep it creative and everything you know of, of tips or you know daniel has been with us which has been tremendous um, so, you know, people, I think they're enjoying, you know, what, you know, the tips and the knowledge uh, that we're giving out for free, right. Uh, into, right. into Instagram and, and the followers. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's fun for me and, but I think it's great, you know, for the kids and the parents to, to learn something. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on again. Um, use your sunscreen, man. Stop getting so sunburned out there. <laughs> it's not healthy. Um, I know, I know. I've got the raccoon thing going too. But uh, yeah. anyway, have a great rest of your week. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Hi to the family and uh, look forward to our next chat. Maybe, maybe after hard ports, we'll touch base again and kind of see how things went, get your thoughts on who did well and why. Um, I think that would be a fun conversation to have to my listeners. Yeah. To my listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. 
For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.